The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Do you feel the world is broken? We do. Do you feel the shadows deepen? We do. But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see it all made new? We do. It's all creation groaning. It is. Is a new creation coming? It is. Is the glory of the Lord? To be the light within our midst Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? worthy. He is. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He is worthy. The question is not 
Is Jesus worthy? The question is, am I worthy? And that question keeps calling me back to a portion of Scripture. Yes, we'll we'll get back to Romans, the 6th and 7th and 8th chapters, but my heart's being called today back to a place I've been many times. And frankly, I've known there was such depth in this Scripture, but I've been unable to penetrate it. It's found in the book of Luke, in the 15th chapter. And there is a a series of three parables spoken of. And it's in the context of Jesus speaking to the tax collectors and the sinners as they drew near to him, to his wisdom. And the Pharisees and the scribes complaining, saying, this man receives sinners and he eats with them. And so he gives us these three parables, the parable of the lost sheep, the parable of the lost coin, and the parable of the lost son. The great issue that stands before us is our lostness. Some of you think you have been found. After today, you may reconsider that position. I'd like to pray with you before we go further. Lord Jesus, I must come to you as the publican and beat upon my breast and say, Lord, have mercy to me, a sinner. Have mercy upon me. I cannot stand as the Pharisee did and point and say, look, I'm better than those. For Lord, you know my heart. All of my trust is in you. All of my confidence is in you. I have no confidence in myself or my flesh or my works. All of my confidence is in you, Jesus. Thank you, my Lord. Open this parable afresh for us. Save us, O Lord, from not hearing the word. Don't let us be offended and go away, but rather give us open hearts and eager minds that we could hear your word. I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. The story begins, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to the father, Father, give to me the part of the wealth belonging to me. And so he divided it to them. And not many days after having gathered everything together, the younger son went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his wealth, living loosely. Now after having wastefully spent his his all, there came a severe famine throughout that country, and he began to go without. This morning as I was praying and struggling over this parable, I want to share with you what I heard. He comes to the father and he says, give me the part of the wealth belonging to me. 
And so it was given to him. And then he travels to a, to a distant country. Now, I want you to get the full picture here. The father has a home that is home to two sons. The father has a home where there is work to be done. He has a farm that must be cared for. The result of caring for that farm produces an income for those who care for it. This young man is no longer interested in his father's farm. He's interested in his own business. He's interested in his own lifestyle. He does not want what the father has to offer. And so he leaves the father and he goes to a far country. Now, as I looked at this, I recognized that most of us have never really lived at the Father's house. Most of us have gone out into the world to create our own reality, to create our own lifestyle, to bring forth wealth and success, to be able to do basically whatever we chose to do or to go wherever we chose to go. We are free and independent because we are not on the father's farm. You see, Adam and Eve left the father's garden. They were barred from paradise. They left their home under the force of an angel's sword. They were driven from the garden. And now the great cry of the human heart, as the human being works to earn a living with the sweat of his brow, is to recapture home, to recapture our place, to make for ourselves a place. And most of us will spend all of our lives making a place for ourselves. That becomes our number one concern. We need a place. We need a home. We need a car. We need a job. We need a family. We need a means of supporting ourselves. Why? Because we're not on the father's farm. We're on our own. And being on our own, we have certain urges that the scriptures call lust of the flesh. Where there is a twistedness in our heart that desires the unclean. Cain murdered Abel because he was offended by God's approval of Abel and his disapproval for Cain. And Cain was enraged. He was trying to find his place where he could offer and give and do what he sought to give and offer and do. And when that was rejected, in his anger, he killed his brother. It's called survival of the fittest. It is the rule of this earth. The one who has the gold has the rule. That's the rule of the earth. We know in our court system, if you don't have money, you're going to be ill-served. If you don't have money, you're going to be treated poorly in many places. 
And so we want to create for ourselves a place. A place we can call our own. Never mind that we're indebted to the bank for 30 years. We want a place we can call our own. This is my house. I make the rules here. This is my car. I choose where it goes and when it goes and who drives it. This is my body. This is my life. I'll do as I want with it. This is what the young man wanted. He did not want to be on the father's farm. He wanted to be on his own. He wanted to run his own life. Now, where it becomes very difficult is it says he squandered his wealth living loosely. Well, he may have lived in sin. Certainly he did. He squandered his wealth. Have you squandered your life? Seeking to create for yourself a place? Who's going to take what you have earned? And how will they use it? And some of you will have nothing left when you die because you have used all of your wealth on your own pleasure. So who will have that wealth or that lack of wealth when you die, when you're gone? Many of us have lived in a distant country Now, you can live, even as a pastor, in the church in America and be independent and far from the Father, creating the kind of church you desire, creating the positive thinking church that is very popular today. You can have a poetic voice that speaks wonderful words of encouragement and love and compassion for the poor and the broken, but it's still your place. It's your place. It's what you wanted. It's what you created. So I'm not in any manner trying to separate here the church, the modern American church, and the world It's business. The church today in America is a business. There are many businesses that offer counseling, that offer strategies for success, that offer emotional support. But it's not in the Father's house. It's in your own house. It's what you and your committees and your your denomination or your organization or your business. It's what you created. And does it do good? Oh, it does much good. But it's still not at the Father's house. It's still not under his direction. I heard a a foolish prophetic pastor say, the church in America is pregnant. And is beginning to show. No, the church in America is only pregnant with its own sin. And it will give birth to wind. It will not give birth to righteousness. I don't like saying that. I've been a pastor for more than 50 years. I've worked in the Washington metro area in ministry for over 50 years. I know whereof I speak. I don't condemn the church. I love the church. But I recognize it's going to take some very serious changes that God is about to bring to America for the church to go back home. Many places 
as I spoke with one dear sister, she said her church, she's very fearful that it is going toward the Kundalini spirit. It's a church that very much wants all of the fivefold gifts. They want the Holy Spirit. They want the signs and wonders. They want the prophets. They want the teachers. They want the pastors. They want a functioning church. The problem with this is that they don't want holiness. They teach that you can never leave your sin and the old man can never be destroyed. In the blood of Jesus, they equate, not in words, but in so many words, they equate the blood of Jesus with the blood of bulls and goats from the old covenant. And they teach that the blood of Jesus covers over your sin, but does not remove your sin. Yes, forgives your sin, but doesn't remove it. But the Greek word is aphemy for forgive in the New Testament. And that word aphemy means to remove, not just to forgive. Again, if I, if I'm hurt by you, you do something that is wrong to me. You steal from me. And I have been stolen from large amounts. And I forgave. But in my forgiving, did that cause a change in the thief? No. There's no regeneration in that kind of forgiveness. Did it change me? Yes. I don't carry any bitterness in my heart. I don't carry any anger in my spirit. I have forgiven them. I have let them go free when I could have taken to court. I didn't. I forgave them. But it didn't make any difference in them. So if God forgives you for your sin, but the blood of Jesus cannot remove that sin, and if it cannot break the bondage, and if it cannot make you righteous in reality, Not imputed righteousness, but real, imparted, infused righteousness. If it does not have that, then of what value is it? Come on. Be logical with me. So we go to the far country. We were taught at a very early age, you've got to go out and and you've got to take care of business. And yes, you may attend a church, and yes, you may give some tithes and offerings, and yes, you may do some good deeds, but the primary focus of your heart is a place of your making, a place where you can feel at home, a place where you can know that you're loved, a place where you say, this is the great, Babylon that I have built. Part of what I've noticed is that as people gain more and more wealth, they want to move up into a larger and larger house. They want to get a better and better car. They also want to get other toys. They want to get the jet skis. They want to get the boat. They want to get the cabin in the woods. They want their place. but they're not at their father's house. They're distant. They left home. Now, I want you to note the next step after this squandering of wealth. And I'd like to say to you that many of you have no doubt squandered your life building your place instead of going home to the Father's house. You have lived loosely, that is, you have indulged yourself in every every kind of travel and vacation, every kind of 
enjoyment that you would have and seek? You have lived loosely. You have been in charge. Now, after having wastefully spent all of his, all of his money, there came a severe famine throughout the country, and he began to go without. A famine is coming to America. There's going to be a great reset. You may have heard that term. It simply means there's going to be a dramatic change as the dollar loses its value. And the whole world will be included in this terrible financial destruction. And it will come upon America in one hour. You're not going to have time to get out of the stock market. You're not going to have time to pull your money from the bank. The bank will be, you'll wake up and the bank will be closed and the credit cards won't work and the ATM machines will be shut off. Famine is coming to America and to the world. There are some countries, Turkey is a perfect example, where The Turkish people, because the lira is crashing so badly with 36% inflation and no interest. So the Turkish people are exchanging their liras immediately for dollars or euros because they don't want their dollar or their euro to be destroyed with 36 plus percent inflation. Now in America, we're faced with six or seven percent minimum inflation. I think it's probably higher than that. But in one hour, there is going to be a total devastation of our economic system. I won't go into the reasons for this, but I can tell you now it is the hand of God. And some say the Federal Reserve or central banks or someone else will determine when this is going to happen. No, don't even begin to imagine that. God will decide when this is going to happen. Now, when this famine came and he began to want, and you are going to begin to want, unless you have been obedient to the Holy Spirit and put away food and provision. It says in verse 15, and after having gone, he became united with one of the citizens of that country. And he was sent to the fields to feed the pigs. This is what happens in a famine. You become a garbage collector, collecting paper and recyclables, and make three or four dollars a day. Not enough money to even buy the expensive food that you are accustomed to. A famine. A desperate time is coming to America. And why is it coming? Because we have not lived in the Father's house. We have lived in our own house. We've made our own provision, and we have become arrogant and proud and independent and no need of God, except as a little side issue. Oh, yes, I'm a Christian. What do you mean you're a Christian? You follow the the world's way of thinking and walking and living. This last week, I've met several people. They go wherever the 
their spirit leads them to go to gain a little bit of fellowship or a little bit of something that they consider worthwhile, but they're not grounded. They're floaters. I don't like people who float. No, I don't mean them personally. I mean a floater is groundless. They can't stand in the face of the storm. They're they're adrift. They're not in the house of the Lord. They're not under the authority of the Holy Spirit. Oh, they're under a spirit, all right. But they don't make a contribution of time and energy and money anywhere. They're just floaters. He was sent to the fields to feed the pigs. He was Jewish, so feeding the pigs was the epitome of uncleanness. In other words, when this famine comes to America, we're going to recognize that we've been feeding the pigs. We're going to recognize the utter sinfulness of our wanton lifestyle, of our luxury, of our selfishness. And we are going to go hungry. He was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating. No one was giving to him. In other words, no one was coming to rescue him. No one is going to come and rescue you in the midst of the famine that is coming now upon America. You are going to have to choose to make some decisions that will radically Change your life's direction. Verse 17, but after having come to himself. In other words, he looked at his life and said, I'm in trouble. My father's servants are eating food at his table. I'm starving. Here I am with the pigs. A pig diet is an important part of a man or woman making a decision to come back to Jesus Christ. After you've had enough pig food and you're starving and you recognize the stench of the world on your life and on your body and in your mind and in your heart, you begin to long for something that is clean. You begin to long for something that is real. You begin to long for that place where you know you belong. How many of my father's hired servants have an abundance of bread, but I'm perishing with hunger. You see, there can be no revival in America without pig food being served to the American church. And God is going to ensure that the American church gets a diet of pig food. They're going to have to recognize their uncleanness. We are going to have to recognize how we have lived before a holy God and how we have created our own places, even our own places of worship. They don't belong to Jesus. They belong to us. Oh, we say it's God's house. No, it's not. It's your house. You determine the concerts and the plays and the entertainment. You tell the jokes, preacher. You don't preach an honest, straight, convicting word of sin and call your people to repentance. No, you don't do that. You might lose your budget. He said, I'm perishing with hunger. Having arisen, I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. This is revival. When we finally have the courage to go and be naked before God and recognize the utter wretchedness of 
creating our own place and living apart from the Father, living by our own rules, our own values. When we finally have had enough pig food, America will turn back to Jesus. At least some will turn back to Jesus. And we will see revival come in a beautiful way to the American church. Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I've said that to the Lord. I'm not worthy to be considered your son. I have lived in the far country, trying my best to create a place, thinking that I was serving you, but in so many ways I was just serving me and my denomination and wanting to succeed, wanting to do something of value to create for myself a place. I today renounce all efforts on my part to create a place for myself. I have only one place, and that's at the Father's house. I only have one place to live, and that's at the Father's house. And I trust him to feed me and to carry me and to give me directions for where the farming should take place, what the animals need. I trust him to be the boss. But not until I'd had my fill of pig food. We're going to have to have the pig food. And that's what this famine coming to America is really all about. There's going to have to be a coming into Jesus Christ. There's going to have to be a humbling of our hearts. There's going to have to be a a recognition of our wanton living of our American lifestyle. Now, when I used to talk with my father, who was born in 1901, they worked from before sunup until after sundown. Every move they made was either going to crash them or help them survive. So my grandpa, owning a ranch, contracted typhoid fever and died when my father was 19 years old. The eldest brother, my uncle, took over as the head of the ranch. He was the oldest boy in the family. His name was Ansel. And Ansel mishandled the finances and went too deep into debt and the cattle prices dropped and the result was the family lost the ranch. I drove with my father to that ranch and right on the border of Colorado and New Mexico. I stood on that land and I said, Lord, What a difference it would have made in my life had this ranch been successful. It would have been my place. It would have been my home. Dad always missed the ranch. He worked for others and finally... Met my mother at the age of 40. He married for the first time. But dad understood that his place was with the father's house. 
and he very humbly did everything in his power to draw others to the Father's house. After so, having arisen, he went to his father. But he still being a distance away, his father saw him and was moved with compassion. And having ran, he fell upon his neck and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, You must bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and and sandals on his feet. And after having brought the fatted calf, you must slaughter it. And having eaten, let us rejoice because this son of mine was dead, but he came to life again. He's been lost, but he was found. And they began to rejoice. Romans, the sixth chapter, verse 11. So also you must think yourselves to be dead indeed to sin. That is to your own place. But living for God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Therefore, sin must not reign in your mortal body to obey it in the lust of it. You must not yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness to the sin. But once and for all, yield yourselves to God as living out from the spiritually dead men and yield your members as instruments of righteousness for God. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. May I put it another way? You've been invited home. You've been offered a place. In the Father's house. And you must offer the members of your body in the service of the Father. You must offer your time and your money, your poverty, whatever it is, you must offer it to the Father for His service. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added unto you. What things? The physical things that the pagans lust after. Money, house, transportation, clothing. Jesus is saying, seek first my kingdom. Seek first the Father's house, and all of these things will be added unto you. I bear witness that this is true. So my question to you is, how much pig food will you have to eat before you're ready to go back home to the Father's house and submit yourself to him in humility and seek his face and repent of your independence Repent of your squandering your life. Jesus considers anything that you have done. He considers any plant that you have planted a squandering of your life if it was not at the direction of the Holy Spirit. Yield yourself to God as living out from among spiritually dead men. So today, are you a stockbroker? Are you a nurse, a doctor? Are you an attorney? Are you a mechanic? Are you a garbage man? You can do all of that and still be a part of the Father's house if you will humble your heart and submit to him and offer the members of your body in his service 
so that whatever you're doing in the day, you are not doing for money. You are doing in love and mercy and kindness to others. And you recognize that your home is with the Father, that you are an alien and a stranger here. This place is not your home. Listen. Lord, are only a few going to be saved? He said to them, You must be straining every nerve and enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able to. Why? Because they didn't eat any of the pig food yet. They're still satisfied with their life. They're still wanting their pleasures. They're still wanting to be in charge of their own affairs. They don't want to surrender to the Father. They don't want to go home to the Father. And so they live their life wasting their resources. Unable to find a place. Unable to find a place. How are you living today? Are you at the Father's house? I praise God I'm at the Father's house, but I recognize how how wanton my life has been and how I have so foolishly spent much of my time and my energy and trying to build something outside of the Father's house. And I've repented of this. Like the publican, I've come before the Father and I've said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Have mercy on me, O God. I don't deserve to be called your son. Let me come and just be a servant in your house. I can tell you now, the father will come and put his arms around you and welcome you into his household. And there will be a banquet. And then it's on to the farm work. After the banquet was finished, what do you think happened with that prodigal son? He was no longer a prodigal son. He was now at home with a father and he went to work. His time, his energy, his money. He went to work. He says, you may begin to stand outside and knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And having answered, he will say to you, I don't recognize you. Where are you from? Oh, we we ate and drank with you in the presence. You, you taught us in the streets. And he'll say, I tell you, I don't recognize you. Where are you from? You must depart from me, all workers of unrighteousness. What's he saying? He's saying, you never came home. America is going to soon experience an incredible financial crash. And there will be very severe famine even to the point of some people starving to death in America. I don't say this to frighten you. I say this to be clear that the Lord is going to cause the American church to eat a great deal of pig food. 
until it is ready to repent and come to the Father's house and give up its pride and its arrogance and its luxury until it's willing to give the church back to the Holy Spirit to throw out all of the beautiful agendas and the church calendars and all of the rest of the foolishness, its institutionalism and its entertainment, it's going to have to all go. And for those churches that will not do that, they will die and they will be gone. It's going to be a very painful time and it's right at the door. The famine is right at the door. Let's pray. I ask, Father, that we could come to our senses, that we could recognize our situation, and that we would stop eating the pig food and quickly come home to you, Jesus. And would you make it very plain to us what coming home means? Would you make it very plain to our hearts that we would know what we must do to enter into your kingdom? That we must be crucified with you? That we must die and be born again? And that we must allow you to rule over us. Lord, we're full of opinions, and opinions are worth just that, nothing. Lord, I don't care for opinions. I want your will. Lord, come quickly, please. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not already done so. We stream both on the YouTube channel live and on 780 AM in Washington, D.C. live. I also want to invite you to come and worship with the National Prayer Chapel. We are a people who are earnestly seeking after Jesus after his face. If that's your heart cry, you want Jesus. You won't find any entertainment. You won't find any of the worldliness you're going to find. We're searching for Jesus and we're finding him. And if that's attractive to you, then come. We start worship at 10 o'clock, supposedly, but really we start praying as soon as we come together at 20 of or quarter of or Whenever our heart is to pray, we're the National Prayer Chapel. So go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can give online. And you're welcome to come and visit and search for Jesus with us. You can also write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia. Two two one nine five. God bless you, brother, sister. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.